man. Ho! So I wanted to start off with a story. Um, I shouldn't. I shouldn't put this on tape, so I probably will. Um, poor impulse control. I'm still working on it. I know sometimes people say inner dialogue. It's just called inner dialogue because it's supposed to stay there. No, no, I'm not saying you have to edit the thing. I just I'm playing with this a little bit. Uh, I have been uh, rekindling my uh, faith with some of my spiritual fathers, and so I made a, a breakthrough for me discovery that I can actually burn a CD, and when I don't have someone in my car, I can go back and forth between the music I normally play or the radio or a teaching CD. So, you know, I spend a fair amount of time in my car. So I finally figured out how to download a podcast and burn it on a CD. So I've been listening to John Arnott. I've been listening to Richard Rohr. I've been listening to Graham Cook. been listening to who else? You know him. Oh, yeah, my man crush. These people fire me up. But you know, when you connect again with those things that first stirred you, it restirs that passion again, you know? It just, it's been exciting. And so this morning, I was sitting going, okay, this has been an amazing week. I needed this so much. It's been a week of worship. It's been a week of prayer. It's been a week of uh, waiting on the Lord. It's been a week of being inspired by the example and the testimony of others. So what I'm considering doing, um, please don't hold me to this, but I think I want to come up with Charlie's Greatest Hits, the sermons that have most impacted my life that touch core areas. Uh, John Arnott's teaching on grace level living, all about the need for forgiveness. You know, I mean, there are just so many messages that have burned in my heart that I, I really want to, because we pay uh, CCLI royalties for these things and because we've been given permission, we can actually distribute these things. And so I think I want to get that. And if you're interested, you know, let me know. Maybe we can make some available after service. I'll make a cute little label. And if you have a way of putting it on your uh, iPod or in your computer, there may, well, she's giving me the look. She goes, okay, you've got to follow through, bub. It, ju- it just can't be wor- I know that look. It's like, or are you, are you worried that's going to be more work for you? No, 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 no. Okay, we went the wrong way. I'll do, I burn them. I will make the labels. You can talk to me. Ignore Lori completely. She wants nothing to do with these, you know, teaching series. But one of them that I want to have on there is from Graham Cook. And he told the story of speaking at a conference. And, uh, you know, when you speak up front, you can tell the people who didn't sleep well last night and they're kind of nodding off during the sermon. You can tell other people that are kind of into it. And he looked out over this crowd of a 1,000 people, but there was one person radiant, just like all shiny, all excited, fully present. And he's like, oh, man, okay. And by the way, many of you, most of you are like that for me, honestly. If I need a little encouragement, I look over at Gloria. It's like, oh, yeah, I've got a spiritual cheerleader. Put down the pom-poms. You're freaking me out. I mean, you can just tell you have that support from some, you know, some people. So Graham would look at this guy and he'd get like kind of jazzed and then like keep ministering. So then he went to another session and there was the guy again, just oh, all excited and beaming. Finally, he couldn't take it. It's like something's going on in this guy's life. So between sessions, he found him in the lobby and he walked up and introduced himself. And, you know, hey, I just noticed there's got to be something really going on in your life because even from where I'm at, I can see your excitement. I can see your joy. You know, what in the world is happening in your life that you look that way? And the guy nodded his head and he said, oh, well, 
you know, thank you very much, but I, I discovered a secret a while ago. When I meet somebody and I really like them, there's something about them that connects with me, I just begin in my heart to bless them. I ask for God to reveal himself to them, to bring his favor in their life, for him to make a way for them to walk in the fullness of their purpose. I just bless them. And he goes, and when I meet somebody who actually is a little bit annoying or who I'm even afraid of or somebody who's bugging me, I just ask God for him to bless them, to let his favor rest on their life, for him to bring them in. That is a powerful reality of the kingdom of God. We are the epicenter of the very blessings of heaven that God wants to bring here on earth. And to practice, to believe that he will empower you by his blessing to become a blessing, I believe is the secret to living that empowered life that is unstoppable, unquenchable, and overflowing with joy. Can I get an amen? Go home. We could just stop there. But we're not going to. I put too much time and attention into this message, and I want to honor my hard work, so this is when you can tune out. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. So I'm not going to try to make this a seminary-level course. I want to make this a, a seminary of the heart sort of course. You know, I want to appeal to the head and the heart and, and the will. So... Um, you, you, Robert, said, tell him something, tell him what you told him, remind him what you said. That's good. I've also heard when you're preaching, you want to give something, people something to think, something to feel, and something to do. And so um, I, the, I would say the anchor verse for this, as I really sat with it for a while, is Deuteronomy 30:19, And I believe today is a day of decision. Today is a choice that we can make if, if we feel so moved to ask God to empower us in a new way. And by the way, everything I'm going to say, do not, do not worship your willpower. Oh, I'm going to try harder. Oh, because you can get results for a period of time when you want to make a change. But if you're doing it in your own strength, if you're relying on yourself, it's only going to get you so far. But when you have conviction and you say, wait, Lord, I want to be more like you. I, I need your grace, your presence, your power. Then you begin to engage in a heart transformation that eventually can become maintenance-free. Come on. So listen to this, not out of worship of willpower, but out of devotion to God's Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. Don't get overwhelmed that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Therefore, choose life. Would he say, therefore, choose life if you didn't have the option? Would he command you to do it if he wouldn't empower you to do it? Choose life. <clears throat> that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. Did you hear those three? Isn't that incredible? Obeying his voice, holding fast to him, and loving him. For he is your life and the length of your days. Today, choose blessings or curses. Um, 
in one of my many times of refreshing myself in the zeal of my youth, um, John Arnott referred to a teaching he heard by Mark Berkler. And uh, Mark Berkler is the guy who developed Hearing God's Voice. It was one of the first classes we taught here uh, at the School of Ministry, and I think we taught it three or four times. It was just, I mean, that's the whole deal. Our life is in his voice. It's in our relationship with him. And we either believe what he's saying, or we believe what the devil's saying, or what we believe, we believe what we're saying about ourselves. And so for us to first and foremost learn how to even be blessed by him has to precede the ability in a meaningful way to be a blessing toward others. And so uh, John referred to a study that determined in sociology that 80% of people, or no, people struggle 80% of the time with negative thoughts. It's not going to work out. Uh, This person doesn't like me. I don't have what it takes. I could lose my job. Whatever it is, 80% of the time, the majority of people. And then John Arnott's like, that can't possibly be true. And and then he looked into it a little bit, and bad news, guess what? It's the same for believers. It's kind of like the flesh's default is to assume negativity. I don't know if that's true for you or not. But I'm doing a heart check. And honestly, I'm a fairly optimistic, happy-go-lucky guy. I'm a human puppy. You know, I will lick you when I see you. I will remain loyal to you. And I still think, if I'm going to be honest, 80% of the time or so, I have a lot of negative thinking. Critical of myself, sometimes critical of others. It's making me sick. I don't want it. And I'm not going to condemn myself because of it, but I want to be real about it. And then you think about a verse, James 1.16, every good and perfect gift, every moment of joy, every moment of hope, every revelation you have of God's goodness specifically to you, every good intention of God's heart that he wants to speak into your life is a gift from heaven, from your Father above. I believe, and I've got a growing conviction, every positive experience you have is divine in nature. It is from heaven. Every negative experience you have is not from God's kingdom. And then you go, woe is me, Lord. Does that mean 80% of the time I'm lending my mind and my thoughts to the devil's way of thinking? It's a serious thought. I'm not satisfied with that. God died for something greater for all of us. Amen? Hmm. Oh, So, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 is my second place verse. So, the verse out of Deuteronomy kind of frames this whole discussion. But you know what also? Doesn't it reveal the Father's heart toward you? What is his desire? He knows where life is. Choose blessing. Don't choose curses. By the way, we're going to get into a little bit deeper, but you know a simple definition of a blessing? A simple definition of a blessing empowers you 
to succeed. And the simple blessing of a curse, you're empowered to fail. And by the way, many of you know Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments, and it talks about the iniquity of the fathers, their sins, the stain of their sin affects you. And it's visited to the third and fourth generation. Of who? Of those who hate God. How many God-haters do we have? Quick show of hands. And then what does it say? But it says, steadfast love, blessings, to a thousand generations of those who love God. Can I get a declaration? We love God! The power of blessing is so much greater to empower healing and breakthrough in our lives. It's a simple principle, but it's a choice as well. You either, how many people feel overwhelmed and powerless against the iniquity or the sins? Have you ever heard the phrase, well, it just runs in our family. We've got this disease. Uh, my father was a lech. My mother was a drunk. I mean... People, then it operates the way the devil wants. He wants to then have it operate like a curse over your mind to empower you to fail you, to give you permission. Oh, you know, it's going to be harder for you, so you might as well not even. What? If it runs in your family, let it run out of your family. And you want to know what really runs in your family? The DNA of Jesus. The power of life. The power of blessing is your DNA. It's your home base. You're now empowered toward righteousness of loving the way he loves and walking the way he walks. Woo, that's a good word. All right. I'm into myself now. You guys, you talk amongst yourselves. I'm happy. Oh, I'm preaching to myself. So Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Does that come easy for you? Isn't that what we were just talking about? Wasn't that Roberts? Anyway, it sounds familiar. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. Wait a minute. You do have permission to look to your own interest. This isn't God cares about you too. But, you know, you, he's got you covered if you're walking with him. So let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So years ago, uh, this verse provoked me. It was like, okay, there's something here I think I need, something I'm probably missing. Um, and so I prayed into this, and the Lord gave me a phrase. Um, Robert is a, a wordsmith. He has these phrases. What was the last one you just did this morning? Um, the two words, fi- faith or fire, or no? What? What? Fame or flame? Okay, fame or flame. I like it. See, I... I, I I love alliteration. I'm alliteration happy. I like to pontificate powerfully with P's. So. But while I was praying around this verse, the Lord just said something very simple to me. And as an orphan, as a person who has in my past walked in some insecurities, needing people's acceptance and approval, wanting everybody to like me, fear of rejection. I know none of you can relate because you're all so incredibly healed. But for me, it was a struggle. Thinking about this verse... Um, the Lord said, don't impress, just bless. It was like, oh, I spend so much time trying to make an impression on people. 
to make sure that I, they like me. And, and it's all kind of caught up. It's like, well, no, no, I'm serving them and I'm being kind to them. And then there are times it gets kind of deeper and it's like, no, I'm doing it because I really want them to like me. And it gets all kind of messed up. And so he needs to break that desire to worry about fear of man, what other people's impressions are, how they talk about you, what they think about you. Who cares? If you're there to speak life and blessing over other people's lives, whether they get it or whether they don't, it doesn't really matter. Because you're releasing the very life of heaven over that person. And by the way, in the process, you're freeing up your own heart. It's incredible to me. How? So I think about the word blessing, and I'm not going to do a word study, but I'll give you just some perspective. It means to endue with power for success. So you're empowered to succeed by God's blessings resting over your life. Uh, so you're endued with power for success, prosperity, longevity. Another interpretation of to bless is to kneel, to come and when it says put your, make others higher than yourself, hey, my needs are taken care of. Let me lift your need up. Let me lift you up. What God's intention is toward you. Let me, you know, there, there's that old saying, uh, <coughs> Well, honestly, I think it was, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who it was. I've got so many people buzzing around in my head with different quotes that have inspired me over the years that I try to give citation when I can. But this one, you want to know why somebody walks the way they do? Wash their feet. When you wash someone else's feet and you understand what they've gone through, then all of a sudden you understand why they walk they do, the way they walk the way they do, and then you want them healed. Because you've learned to kneel, to bow your heart before that person. That's part of blessing. Not elevating yourself over, but able to come under. And how beautifully did Jesus do that? It also means, this part got me, one of the meanings for blessing is to salute. So isn't that interesting? What is saluting? Isn't it recognizing the authority in another person, really? Uh, There's a moment in the series Band of Brothers, where a commanding officer was sort of held back and someone he was uh, over got promoted over him. And just long story short, this commanding officer just walked by him and kind of blew him off. And, uh, and then his new commanding officer said, hey, you salute the rank, not the man. And so his old commanding officer turned and gave him a salute. Well, everyone you're going to meet from the beginning of your life till the end of your life is created in the image of God. And they deserve a salute for God's calling and purpose and destiny on their life. They deserve to be treated with that salute of honor and of respect, whether they know it or whether they deserve it or whether they've earned it. Isn't that crazy? But in doing that, you're calling out the greatness in another And then the one last aspect of the word blessing, I looked it up in the Hebrew and I looked it up in the Greek. It also means to praise. So, and in a simple form of that, it means to have kind words toward somebody. And particularly, of course, in our desire to bless God, to have declarations and kind words and affirmation 
and dedication and just devotion, everything that we speak to him is our blessing him for how he's blessed us. So that's how praise gets into the whole place of blessing. And as I shared at the the beginning of the service, I love this. I'm not going to break it down like a traditional three-point sermon, but if I was going to, if I was tempted to use my training and intellect, I would talk about blessing from men to God, us giving his praise. I would talk about blessing man to man, which is us uh, asking for God's blessing upon another person. And by the way, I don't neglect the fact that when you think about God, I need to operate in your blessing from man to man, and then man from you know to yourself. You need to bless yourself from your own human perspective. You need to speak with that. You got to salute yourself. Um, yeah, boy, I, it would be so fun if I I didn't think of this because this is just in the moment. I pretend now I'm holding a mirror right here, and you see your own reflection. I'm going to salute the image of God that is in my life, the DNA that's actually coursing through my blood to be just like Jesus. So I'm not going to do it to be too corny, but we could all pretend prophetically, just, hey, I'm going to salute the respect and the dignity God has given me for his glory. The same respect I purpose to show others, I'm going to show to myself. Because you don't bring glory to God by making yourself less and making others more, except... What this verse is talking about. Don't do anything, you know, consider it humility to count someone else's. It doesn't, when it says, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourself, that's because you're already good. And they're even more significant. You know, it's, it's, I wasn't planning on going here, but in the heart of a healthy parent, of course, you want your ceiling to be your child's floor, right? You want them to go higher and further. And it doesn't mean that you're false humility. You want to excel in life to bring the opportunity for them to continue to excel. Now, sometimes you get kids like ours where, you know, I taught my son Josh how to play the guitar when he was in junior high. And I, my whole life, I've had a deep love of music. Even before I knew the Lord, I prayed that I, it wasn't even a prayer. I was like, you know what? I want to do whatever it's going to take. I don't ever want to come to a point as a grown-up where music can't stir my heart and make me feel powerful things. I want to keep my heart open. and ten- I remember I was about 10 years old listening to a Herb Alpert album. And the music was getting me all excited and happy feeling. It's like, woo! I always want music to affect me like this. So I've had a deep love of music my whole life. So I taught my little twerp 12-year-old son how to play the guitar. And in one week, he started doing things that I still can't do to this day. It's not fair. He got the talent. And I got the love. So you do want your kids to go higher and further. They don't have to show off. But I can still celebrate that. And I've got other stories, but time won't allow. So there you go. So getting back to, let let me go, I looked real quick at Hebrew, and in Genesis 12, 2, if anyone's taking notes, I looked at the story of Abraham and his calling and his empowerment, and you know you're called to do the impossible, you realize that. So when I started this morning by saying, hey, don't be impressed with the size of your problems, be impressed with the size of your God, 
And then God comes along, calls Abraham and says, by the way, you're a father to nations. Your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. And then he makes this proclamation over Abram, who's not even Abraham yet. And he goes, I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going to curse those who curse you. Beloved of God, if somebody is messing with you in your life right now, you need to have compassion because God is your defense. He is your good father and your advocate. When people come along and try to rip me off or do something inappropriate to me, there really is now a deeper and deeper place where it's like, oh, God, forgive them. God, help them. You know, God, they don't know who they're messing with. And it's not me. It's not about my ego or even my insecurity. It's about my knowledge. God loves to bless those who bless me. So you are all released and empowered right now to be a blessing in my life. Go ahead, have at it. I dare you, bless me good. Because <laughs> I want to be the same, the same blessing in your life. That's where joy is found. That's where revelation and wisdom just come pouring from heaven because you want to lift others up out of their burdens and out of their lies and out of their curses that have empowered them to failure. Jesus took the curse upon himself to restore and release the blessing to all of humanity. And he doesn't do it mystically. He does it through us by empowering us to be those agents of change. Oh! And it started with Abraham. And uh, Lori, you're the editor in the family. Did I already tell you? It's so embarrassing. My, my book came out about a year and a half ago. We did sell out of the first printing. It's been a blessing. I love the, you know, the reviews that I get and the people like, oh, I read your book and I couldn't finish the first chapter and I, did, I miss my mom and whatever. It's been beautiful. Um, and it's been a bigger blessing than I thought it would be. But my editor loved the way that she proofed my book. So then he hired her to proof another book and then gave her a job to edit and then gave her another job. She's made more money editing than I've made with the book. This isn't fair. That's not, don't laugh. It's humiliating. So the Greek word, what is that? Greek? Well, it's all Greek to me. Eulogio. Eulogio is the Greek word for bless. What does that sound like to anybody? Eulogio. Eulogy. There you go. <clears throat> it means to bless. This part really got me. It implies to have good thoughts. That's, remember I said the 80% of negative thinking? God wants to make our thinking positive toward others. Not 20%, not even 80% of the time. He wants us to have good thoughts toward others who don't deserve it, by the way. Isn't that something? To speak well of, which is, what do you do when you hear? I mean, even my old pastor, Pastor Richard, went to, uh, was doing a memorial service, and there was a guy who was just a renegade, a scoundrel, a cad, and everybody kind of knew it. And so people are trying to get up there and say, you know, some nice things. And by the way, you have some very interesting opportunities in ministry at times that present themselves. Because one guy who was still so bitter and frustrated with this scoundrel walked up to the, the viewing of the casket and grabbed the corpse and just started whomping on the guy. You know? Yeah, pretty serious. And then the, the body fell out of the casket. People started screaming. It's like, oh, he didn't have that eulogy in his heart. He wasn't trying to speak well 
of this guy who ripped him off, apparently. And then, Pastor, can you imagine trying to bring calm to that scene? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, sorry. That was very amusing to me. So, uh, what I really like, I'm going to turn there, too. Uh, my favorite example of a blessing is in Numbers 6, 22 through 27. So prepare your spirit right now. Absorb this as best you can. What did I say? It's Numbers. That's in the Old Testament, right? Okay. Numbers 6, starting at 22. <clears throat> the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face smile upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But listen, this final verse seven, uh, 27. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. God put his name on you. God's reputation is resting on us as sons and daughters. That's incredible. That's, that's a privilege. It's a responsibility. But it's all mostly, I believe, an opportunity. If he's put his name on you, he's put his spirit in your heart, he wants to empower you to be just like Jesus. That's the whole deal. Oh, that's, that's not heavy, right? That's, a, that's good news. That's a very, very good word for all of us. Put my name on the people. Hmm. So, in the New Testament perspective, and I'm actually going to be wrapping up pretty quick here, so Gary, why don't you start counting? This will be the beginning of my first ending okay and then we can keep track of how many endings i have all right <clears throat> they sort of run together so i know it's hard to tell sometimes so romans 12 12 through 17 rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be consistent or be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality can you feel this building? Have hospitality toward each other. And you have all these other wonderful attributes and qualities. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Well, that's pretty well hardwired in us, in our flesh. My flesh just loves this verse, you know. What was, oh, I, oh, that was Jeff yiping. He just got convicted. <laughs> that one hurt, huh? Okay. Well, it hurts me too. What did Jesus tell us to do? Love your enemies? Oh, sure. I'll do that. I've got all the desire in my heart to see my enemies prosper and to be blessed and to do better than I'm doing. You know, that's because you can't do it in your own strength. Only by a genuine abiding connection with him, a revelation of who he is in your life, 
The, he's I am and he's I am in you. And then all of a sudden, now I can tap into something where it's not self-effort. I think that's part of the reason he calls us to the ridiculous, calls us to the impossible. Because he's the God of the impossible and nothing's impossible with him. So what does it mean? If you do everything under your own strength and power, you don't need him. So this is a pretty good standard. But there's another secret. When you bless those who persecute you in the right way, you free up your own heart. I don't don't have time to unpack it now, but I'll just refer to it. Matthew 10.24, Jesus talks about the end days and people having hard hearts. and uh, I mean, he talks about people uh, betraying each other and hating each other and all of this. And then it builds toward this moment where it reveals what is the devil really after with offenses, with bitterness, with hatred. What does he want? And the hearts of many will grow cold. You want to have a hot burning heart? Bless those who persecute you. And all of a sudden, your heart's not going to be entangled anymore with vindication, with being proven right, with seeing someone else suffer. Um, in, in my reading, though, it was interesting. In one of the commentaries, it says, uh, bless those who curse. It doesn't mean to say nice things about them. It doesn't mean bury your head in the sand. It doesn't mean make yourself vulnerable to their evil schemes and wicked behavior. That's foolishness. Go back to the Abrahamic covenant. What's God going to do? He's going to bless those who bless you. And he's going to curse those who curse you. So to turn a blind eye and let someone who's persecuting you And then to pretend it's not even so and to say nice things, that isn't what it means by blessing them. What it means is to actually pray. Hang on. I had really good notes on this. This one I I think I do want to read. Ah, To pray to accomplish God's purpose in our lives and to allow us not to have our own way. So when God blesses us, it's so his purposes can be fulfilled, his will can be done. And by the way, we get free of our own self-will and our own stupid choices. We're empowered to be like him. So then when you say, Lord, I want you to bless this my enemy, what you're really saying is you're such a good father that when you bless, you don't create irresponsible, entitled, mean people. Your blessing only creates good things in other people's lives. And even though they don't deserve it, and even though they're not asking for it, my desire, as your son and an intercessor, the way your son is an intercessor, I bring them before you. Jesus, here's the the, the best for me, the, the best in terms of blessing. Here's a great prayer exercise. In fact, uh, let's see, do I have an enemy? I want you to take a moment and think of somebody that has snatched you bald-headed, has driven you crazy. You get as mad as fish grease when you think about this person. Right? I mean, is there, is there, think of one person, I'm serious, think of the one person that's the hardest for you to forgive right now. And even if it's just a little thing, I mean, whatever, because you all look so happy. Truly, you can't have any enemies. You know, you, there wouldn't be this joy in the house right now. What's wrong with you people? Oh, anyway, think, you got one? You thought of a person I hate? Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. You can let me know later and then really remind me why it offended me so much, okay? Maybe I can go back into post-traumatic stress or something. It would be great. So think about whoever it is. Have you, have you all got somebody in your head who's hard to forgive? Seriously? Do you? Okay. 
when you bring them before the Lord, say, Father, I want them to have an encounter with you. I want them to know your favor, to know your blessings. And the biggest prayer, Father, I want their unique personality that I find so difficult to be turned perfectly toward true devotion toward you. They are head over heels, wild and crazy, in love with you. And that strong personality and that willfulness that they have, God, direct it toward your kingdom, that they're going to walk in the empowerment of heaven, the fulfillment of your purposes on the earth. Can you guys pray that way? Can you pray a serious blessing that they're going to be radical lovers of Jesus? Now, do I have faith to believe it? Is it my responsibility to make it happen? No! It's my responsibility. It's hard enough to really desire it. Anybody ever have trouble praying through like they say in the old days? Oh, Lord, I choose to forgive so-and-so. I ask you to bless their life in Jesus' name. Yeah, right! I've, I've, there's something, I had to pray for a year for one person in particular to really know, wait a minute, I mean it. I feel compassion for that person right now. Jesus, draw them to yourself. You know, forgive them the way you have forgiven me and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, it's so powerful. It's so freeing. It's so therapeutic. And it's so much our mission on the earth to walk that way and to live that way. Amen? I, I had a an encounter with somebody this week. It's none of you in the room. So don't, don't be looking around and pointing fingers. And Lori will tell me who I hate later. So... <clears throat> <laughs> but I, I had an encounter, and we get caught by surprise. That's part of the reason we need to be in a community. My goodness, the importance of being part of the body of Christ is not understood. It's not taught. There's no substitute in our culture for what happens here when we worship God together, when we do life together, when we're sharing meals in each other's home, when we're at the potlucks. There's nothing else where faith is the central focus and applying real faith to daily life and helping people grow and become victorious in stuck areas. Where else do you go if not here? And so, you know, we need each other. I was talking with this person and they were so bound up in a broken relationship where the person has consistently done inappropriate things against them that they couldn't even see anymore. I have no desire for a relationship. I have no, and there are times where a person is an unsafe person. But if in your heart of hearts, I don't want God to fix it. I don't want to talk to God about it because he may tell me I have to forgive and they don't deserve it. And you did? Sorry. And you know, it was hard. I'm going to have to follow this one up because they couldn't get it. And I did say, you know, your hurt, your offense toward this person, maybe they know about it and maybe they don't, but the reality is it's contaminating you. It's going to be your problem much more than theirs. And people don't like that message. But I, I wasn't even thinking about this sermon. It's not the reason I, I decided to share this. But right now, it's the bait of Satan. It's the snare of offense that he puts right in front of us. And the power of being people of blessing and not curses, of speaking life and not death, keeps our own hearts free to walk in our destiny. Amen? So, um, that was one ending, right, right Gary? No, no, that's the first thing. That was the third ending? No, it wasn't. I'm starting the second ending right now, so...
people are getting mean. God's going to bless those who bless me. <laughs> Reminding you, you know, I just, I said something to a friend once. We were having lunch, and he, I was mentoring this young guy. He was very sweet. I, I, I really, I really appreciated him. <laughs> this sounds so terrible. But I remember I was looking at him, and this revelation came to me. I said, you know, his name was Dan. You know, Dan, the more you like me, the closer you are to the truth. <laughs> That's kind of like egocentric, but kind of in the right way. I think. And I'm part of this family, so if anyone needs to confront me, if I'm your Joel, maybe you see an insight here, but no, the more you love me, the closer you are to the truth. So be blessed, all of you. Be, be a blessing in my life. So anyway, <clears throat> so second ending, James 3, 9 through 10. Uh, it's talking about the tongue and the power of the tongue is the context of this verse. And it says, with it being the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. It's so direct. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it is a command. And I am purposing right now to have the Holy Spirit <coughs> set me free from 80% of negative thinking and God protect me even more from 80% of negative speaking. You can't always control what you're feeling and thinking, and you can give it to God and say, God, do a great work in my heart. But you do have control of your tongue. And the times that I speak out some of those critical thoughts and resentments, I, I want the Lord to clean up my act. Um, I'm, I'm serious about moving into a season of... Uh, empowered influence and favor resting on my life like I've never seen before. The need is so great. And I believe this is a key to us being able to release the very nature of heaven, the supernatural ways of heaven, healing in Jesus' name, deliverance in Jesus' name, healing, triune healing, body, soul, and spirit, breakthroughs for people who have been oppressed by curses and lies that they had believed. We're freedom bringers. We are more than conquerors because of what Jesus has done in us and through us. Ho! Oh. Hmm. So, third ending, final illustration. Um, this isn't in my notes, uh, but I think about this verse, and the first missions trip Lori and I ever took <coughs> was to uh, an, oh my gosh, an oppressed uh, Muslim country, Uzbekistan. And uh, I started to have uh, an awakening in my prayer life. God got me up super early in the morning. I'd pray for about an hour. Then I'd go out, and <clears throat> the oppression of living in a compound and all of that was weighing on all of us. There was kind of this fear that was trying to get us. And so one day I couldn't take it anymore, and I thought, that's it. I'm just going to go take a walk, and I'm going to go down the street, and I'm going to bless everyone and everything I see. So I met a person, assalamu alaikum, and they go, alaikum assalam. And I, you know, I had on my little dopa, which is the kind of hat that you wear. I showed honor to that culture. But as I walked, 
I was releasing blessing to over the households, over the businesses, over the police station, over the city park, over everything I saw. The animals. I was just, I became like this blessing machine. It was amazing. And when I got back to the compound, and it was a compound where we were staying, the fear was broken off of me. It's like, I love these people. I love this place. God, heal this nation. Bless these people. Can you, are you feeling? I, I can feel it right now. So I went three days, north, east, south, and then finally one day I headed off into another part. And my, now I'm revved up. It's like, you know where it says, with Abraham everywhere your foot shall tread? God does that today. He gives you territory. Everywhere you step, that you're releasing blessing. You're establishing territory for the kingdom of God. Come on. That's good news. And I did it there in Uzbekistan. I could feel it, man. And it just kept stretching out from me more and more. And we had these incredible experiences. Then one day I went off to this direction. I think it was to the west. And it was funny. I felt my bubble. I was still safe. I was still loving. But I could feel, hey, God, it doesn't feel like those blessings are extending out quite as far. And I, I don't understand, and, but I walked and I did my thing, and I, okay. And then I got back and I talked to uh, Brian, our host, and he's like, you walked through Charkey? It's like, yeah, what's that? He goes, that is our drug-infested crime center. That's where people get killed in this city. It's like, oh, no wonder I had a small bubble. <laughs> but I still had authority. I still was protected. Because God's going to save you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. So, final ending. <laughs> four. No, no, that's four, Jeff. Final. final. I'm, I want to do that. I wasn't planning on this. But I, this is called Aaron's blessing. The ironic blessing. And I just want to speak it over all of us. So open your hearts. Just get an attitude of peace in your heart right now. Like the song we were singing. Arms open wide. Eyes open, ears open, heart open. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Father, I speak peace to your sons and daughters. I speak peace your countenance, your face smiling at them right now. How proud, how delighted you are, how much you have sacrificed to break the power of curses and the past and failure and disappointment. It just goes at the foot of the cross right now. We place it there. Jesus, you took the curse upon yourself so that the blessings of heaven can be restored today on your sons and daughters, that the empowerment to walk in newness of life and the abundant life, to be an epicenter of blessings from heaven poured out on the earth, generously shared with others, not counting ourselves wrongly, but counting others as even more important than ourselves because we already know who we are. Let others know who they are in you through the power of your people, the power of your love, and through your church. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, be blessed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Como? Sure. You know what? We, if you're not in a hurry, 
Um, I'm happy to just pray a, a quick blessing over anyone who needs a specific prayer or area to be blessed in your life.